welcome to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. I'm Max. And I'm Nikki. And together we're Max and Nikki. On today's episode, we'll be talking about video game music and uh, the evolution of video game music and why we prefer 8-bit and 16-bit video game music over sort of modern-day video game compositions. Well, I mean, For in, the most general, part, in, in general, general. In general. I mean, We're not knocking all of we'll, all we'll, the music that's coming out today. We'll, talk about, the we'll evo- talk about that in we'll a second. We'll talk about the evolution to the best of our abilities. We uh, don't know. We're not saying we know everything not, about it. We're not as well-versed as some others. We, we are. Our ver- older brother is we, very well-versed. We in are versed thing. in the subject. We are versed in the subject. But people like our older brother, Brent, uh, are very. I might well consider him like sort of an authority figure on the subject. Yes, um, of of eight bit and sixteen right. bit. I'd say we we know enough to be able to talk about it. I'd say yes, which is why we're doing that today. Um, in addition, um, oh, we wanted to just. Oh, in addition, I just it, it's not just about. I we want to talk about not just about the evolution, but also what makes video game music. Well, we'll, we'll talk about we'll, it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. About we'll it. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get to uh, the subject of video games, um, we just wanted to announce that um, our band, Little Person, will be releasing a new six-song EP, um, and it's going to be released worldwide this coming Monday, April 3rd. It'll be available on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and uh, Bandcamp and uh, so on and so forth. I don't um, the know EP if this, is, oh, EP sorry. is called "I Feel Fine," uh, named after one of the tunes in the in the EP. Yes, exactly. And but um, we also just felt that title was befitting for the whole album in general. Anyway, I don't think this episode is coming out in time to for any listeners to be able to go and catch our EP release show, which is. From the day we're recording this is tomorrow, which will be Thursday. Right. But so anyway, I don't know why you're mentioning. Anyway, that. anyway, um, the point is, uh, please go check out our our new EP. Um, just some pop tunes with a lot of harmonies, and it's uh, you'll enjoy it. Hopefully, yeah, it's good stuff. And some some I what I'd like to think is some like good lyrics, some like introspective, um, thoughtful lyrics basically if you like sometimes introspective if you like the beach boys and if you like the smiths then you can count on probably liking this okay let's uh uh, let's get to video game music um right i mean to start us off uh i would like to mention that the opening song our intro music to our podcast and the outro music is a video game sounding song it's it's an eight-bit sounding video game song, and Writ- written, it's ac- written, recorded, and produced by Nicholas Evan Weinbach. That is correct. And um, I wanted to just talk about the process of of recording this thing. Right. Um, I just- wrote I wrote the song a long time ago, maybe when I was eighteen years old, and um, I just you know was really influenced on the on the keyboard on the I, piano. I wrote it on the piano when I was like eighteen years old, and. I thought, oh, this sounds like a, a video game song. Maybe I could use this for a video game one day. I, I didn't know that I would end up using We've it for a podcast. We've been into video game music for most of, I'd say, 
the first music we ever admitted, admitted to, to liking, liking was, was video, video game music. music. Um, that and then maybe bossa nova music. Right. That's not to say that we didn't like other music back in those days. We just didn't. Ad- we didn't admit to, like, to liking other music. You know, our our our, our, our mom, mom and sister, sister would to drive us the, in the car, and they would listen to a lot of oldies music. To music, but we didn't admit to like. For some reason, it. we didn't admit to liking. It. I Even think because our we older, love we love that music, right? And we are, are most influenced by that music. Yeah, our, I think it's probably because our our older brother wasn't really into it, and he thought some of it was cheesy. Right. We, were re- yeah. we were in, really influenced by him, uh, especially when we were younger. Um, we're influenced by our sister, too, a lot. Uh, but maybe not but as much Not as much then. back then, though. Uh, I mean, so back in those days, we we tended to try and... Just copy Emulate his, a lot of things that he... But, thought. you know, now that we're grown boys, we we have our own opinions on things, and... One of our great loves in music are, you know, some of those late 50s, 60s, oldies tunes. You know? and, and you'll, if you catch our EP, actually, it's not those. to shameless self-promote so much anymore, but really, if you do listen to our new EP, like, you'll, you'll definitely hear some of the influences from that era. That is correct. Anyway, um, so I wrote this video game song when I was 18 or so on the piano, and you know, I thought one day I'm going to use this for something, uh, a video game, perhaps. I, I didn't know that I'd be using it for a podcast one day. I didn't even think podcasts, I don't even think podcasts were a thing back then. Okay. But so I wrote it back then, but I started recording it. Actually, while we were recording the EP, coincidentally, I took a break and I started recording this video game song. For some reason, I just thought, oh, I want to release this. No, well, the reason was because. I think our older brother was showing us this this video game, this uh, song that somebody wrote in the style of a video game style song. And he was like, oh, this is really cool, guys. And Nikki kind of was like, I could do something like that. And so he <laughs> he started trying to record it himself. Oh, I guess I was trying to prove uh, our older brother that, that he could I do could it. do something like that. Um, little did I know that it is, uh, even though I had the basic melody and song structure and the the chords down for the song i didn't realize how difficult it is to record under the constraints of how video game composers back in the 80s right. had to write video so game music so what he had what he had recorded at the time it sounded kind of like video game music as far as the sounds went but it wasn't quite right and Nikki will explain right now well, why okay, that's well, so. First of all, uh, I'll mention that there are a lot of uh, songwriters, maybe, or, or v- composers today, and they write a song that's called Chip Tunes, and it's supposed to kind of be in the style of these 8-bit video game songs, but they're not actually like, they don't, a lot of them don't constrain themselves to, there's four sounds that, uh, four basic oh, no. sounds. This is this is on Nintendo, you should say, or on, for on, or an eight bit stuff. On eight bit stuff, there's there are four sounds that a composer were, was able to use in the eighties. There are two square waves. There's a triangle wave, and there's white noise. That's all you can use. Just for you guys know, those those are, it might be a little heady. This conversation for some people out there. Uh, you just have to know that basically, uh, all sounds that have a pitch basically are built on. Uh, what's called a sine wave. And basically, manipulation of that 
creates different kinds of sounds essentially. Right. And so Nikki was talking about a square wave, uh, you know, and, and a, a square wave, I guess you can maybe liken it more to like a flute sound maybe sometimes, although it could be used for bass. Um, the triangle wave often would be used for a bass sound in those old video game tracks, although square wave was used sometimes as the, the bass. And white noise, which is basically all the frequencies. Right, white noise is, is like all... It's, it's basically like a shh. It's like the spectrum the of sound. Of, spectrum of sound in but a But when you hear white noise, you'll just hear a shh. But it could be used as a percussive sound when it's just... Uh, when it's manipulated in a certain way, it right. can be made to sound like a, a snare drum or or even a, a kick drum or, you know, but it's just really short right. sounds like right, right. or something like that. Right. And, and then if you could even potentially manipulate wide noise enough to create a sine wave, right, which would create a pitch actually, you know, I mean, again, we're getting a little heady here just so you know, it's, there's four different kinds there's of sounds, four different kinds of sounds with 8-bit video game music wait hold on what is 8-bit video game music by the way what is that i uh i re- actually don't know 8-bit I, don't know what that means. I think what it means is basically the capacity that the video game can right it, it's it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the music it has to do with the actual video game itself right so basically you know as as video games you know evolve it writes on runs capac- on eight bytes and right i mean the capacity grew basically and Nintendo 64, for instance, 64, 64 bits. bits. And uh, Super Nintendo was 16 bits. And then so on and so forth. I mean, I don't know what it is now. I mean, I'm probably sure it's probably like a, a huge amount now, right. you know. Um, it's like computers. Everyone knows their computers. You know, we have a certain amount of memory we can hold on our RAM and, and stuff like that. And RAM. Anyway. Well, that is memory. But anyway, so these, you had these four sounds. And so when I was recording this, uh, when I was initially recording this thing, I didn't try to constrain myself and I, to the four sounds and, or restrict myself to the four sounds. And, you know, I showed it to my older brother, I showed it to Max and they were saying, yeah, it sounds pretty good, but there's something about it that seems off. Maybe it seems cluttered or something like that. And I'm, you know, when I attempted to record it recently for this podcast, I realized the reason why it sounds cluttered is because I wasn't restricting myself to just the four sounds. And it's really hard, actually. You know, I really give a lot of, I have a lot of respect for those composers back then because they had to make these songs sound like full sort of orchestrations in a way sometimes. But they the, were... Full arrangements. Full arrangements, but they were restricted to four sounds. So and that's if you true, wanted to... That is the true mark of genius, in my opinion, is... A creative genius is being able to create something spectacular under constraints, you know, and that's what a lot of composers who are are professional composers do is they will create some sort of constraint for themselves or, or they'll give themselves some sort of limitations. And then if there's something within that limit, I mean, this is, you know, something in my composition class that my teacher would Max was a music do. major in, in college. Right. He would... He would say, okay, create a composition based on these notes, for instance, okay? You can't use any other notes besides these notes, and you have to create a composition based on this. And then, basically, he provided leeway after that. After we were done, he said, okay, now that you have this, this is the framework, okay, if you don't like certain things, now break the rules a bit if you want. But, But with the Nintendo stuff, 
Well, they couldn't break the rules because they it, they were constrained by the technology, well, and that's that's utter utter pure genius. Right. Well, to me, as Burt Bacharach said, created something really cool. Burt Bacharach, and they couldn't even one of our biggest influences, and also one of the best pop songwriters of all time. You know, he was a classically trained, you know, musician, and he said, you know, you got to learn the rules before you break them. You know, he and said that. Yes, he did say that, and. You can hear, you can hear that he knew the rules in his music. You knew, you, you could hear it. But um, that's beside the point. So the point is, these video game composers, they were restricted and they had to come up with clever ways to achieve sort of harmony. And, you know, I, I when I was making this intro music, I wanted to do harmonies, but then I figured out that there were too many sounds I was using. And... Oh, uh, there's one other sound that you could use, by the way, because um, there's a sampler in in that in regular Nintendo. It had a sampler. So what's a, a sampler? A Nikki? sampler basically you can it samples real noises, not just these computer generated noises, but they're real noises. Whether they're uh, you know it's me hitting my tongue to the roof of my mouth or me snapping. You know, they're they're real noises and they're actually recorded noises that and they're they're sample they're called samples because you can just it's like a sample of what that noise right, is. Right, but was the the sample um oh what is it called? I mean it, am I using the word correctly when I say a verisimilitude on this? Uh it, uh was the was the sample a true just um sample of what you actually recorded yes yes i mean basically in other words if you sampled a violin would it have captured the actual sound of a good violin right sound? here well here's the thing is in other words as, would it be would it uh what's what's the word i'm looking for what, uh the um oh i mean maybe that the fact that the the technology was not as evolved at the time so would it capture would it, the actual I, essence would it, of the not, violin not, not the essence would it capture the actual full spectrum full, of the full actual sound that you were trying well uh, or would it I'm, be like a no it, a, a no, it, cruddy it, version of it basically? it might be a little cruddy but i think it would capture crude, the sound i guess yeah it might be a little crude but it would capture the sound and but here's the thing uh, brent our older brother told me because I was trying to use that sampler at first to create, basically use it to add another uh, square wave or another triangle wave so I could add some harmony. But Brent told me that most of the time video game composers didn't ever use the sampler. And when they did, it was very sparingly and it was for actual like, sometimes like voices or something like that, you know I mean? It wasn't really, it, it was to not emulate one of the other waves. It was more to get a real sound in there, you know? And, um, and it was Americans who actually used the sampler more than the Japanese, apparently. That, I mean, I think that's, that's what our older brother was telling me. Um, anyway, so maybe I, it has to do with the because discipline. I, because I, we respect the Japanese video game composers more. Um, well, there's I wanted to honor that tradition and just try to even write this song without even using the sampler. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to do harmonies, but I had to figure out ways of, you know, getting around it, you know? And so basically I would do, sometimes I would do arpeggios or like quick arpeggios or different weird 
constructs. I started off with the harmonies, you know, having the sounds going at the same time. And then I, I realized, oh, I can't use these sounds at the same time. You know, I can't use more than two square waves at the same time. So I kind of separated them and, you know, you can make a sound really short. I, I mean, this is getting really in detail. The point is you're under a lot of restrictions and thus I think video game music, the genre was born out of right. this, out of this, exactly. uh, the restrictions of these four sounds, there's a certain sound that came with right. the construction, the, the, the construction of a composition was based on the constraints of the, te- constraints of the technology. And you, so there's, you have a particular, there's a certain sound, it created a genre, basically. it created a genre of video game music. And no, no, it created a genre, a genre, which is video game no, music. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying, which is video game music. I know. But and as we've evolved to now, we have composers, video game composers have lost sight of that genre called video game music and their quote unquote video game, the, the music that they're creating for video games is not what we would consider true video game music. Now... You know, as we go through the times, you know, Sega Genesis and then uh, Super Nintendo, they had a lot more sounds to deal with. They had a lot more samples that they could use. But I think... Did they have more channels? Oh, they had a lot more channels. Yeah, how I many think channels? they had um, eight or six, eight, I believe. No, so 16, when, 16, maybe. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. When we say channels, we mean basically uh, your ability to use... Basically, if I have two channels, I can only use two different sounds at a time, basically. That's basically what I mean by that. Right. Um, so there are four so channels. So there were not only four sounds on for, for 8-bit music, but there's four channels. So you can only do those four sounds at one time. You can only do... Right. You can only do four sounds at once. So, uh, by the way, on 8-bit music, uh, you know, they can they create harmony by basically alluding to harmony sometimes by uh, playing a, su- a succession of different notes that will create what what once somebody might think of as the, the harmony. I mean, that comes from classical music too, you know. Um, so uh, in any event, uh, sorry, what are you doing right now, Nikki? So, you know, all right, all right. Yeah, you know what, we're a little unsure about, you know, how many channels are on, the Super no, Nintendo. No. So, so let's uh, let's well, use no. a lifeline and call. Uh, use a phone a friend lifeline. Let's call our older brother Brent, who is an expert on this subject on eight bit and sixteen bit era music. And in addition, let's just get his opinion, an expert's opinion on why he likes that kind of music from that era. More. Anyway, um, Max, uh, why don't you come a little bit closer to me so you can hear okay. the phone call? Okay, um, we're gonna call Brent Weinbach right now. Uh, let's let's try this out here. Hello. Hello, Brent. Yes. Hi. This you are. Uh, we're calling from Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. Um, I'm Max. And I'm Nikki. And together we're Max, Max and, and Nikki. Nikki. Is Regis there? Um, no. Max and Nikki oh. are here. Say hi. Oh, hi, I was just um, 
taking care of business in the BH. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, you want to broadcast to that, that to the world? Are you okay with that? Yeah. You, you're not wondering what the BH is? I mean, people, pe- do you want to tell people what that is? What the BH is? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the bathroom. <laughs> bathroom. I get it. It's it's funny because it's like it's not even the actual initials. Instead of br, it's like bathroom, bathroom, or bathroom. Bathroom. Okay. Um. Anyway, we're calling you because we um wanted just an expert's opinion about sort of the evolution of uh eight bit video game music to sixteen bit video game music. And, you know, right now we're talking about sort of the 16-bit era, and we just want to make a more of a definitive answer on... Oh, hold on, hold on one second. You, you said you wanted a sexpert's opinion? <laughs> hey, you found the right guy. Well, Brian, it's more like sex spurt, because, like, you spurt out or something. Well, uh, yeah, or sex spurt, you know? Sex, sex... My name is almost Bert. Well, I think Sex Ernie, actually. Well, I think you're more like Sex Vert, as in, like, the composer the, the com- Vert. The ver- yeah, the composer Vert. <laughs> oh, right. Well, I was thinking to myself, like, Sexploit. <laughs> 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 well, well, we'll definitely Sexploit you, for sure, on this we'll, show. We'll Sexploit you. Um, we'll make a Sexploitation video, and, um, you know, we'll get Pam Greer online and you know it'll be a, it'll be more of a a black exploitation black sexploitation kind of movie bring it on bitch <laughs> Wait, is this a, a clean podcast i mean it's we try to be yeah but hey you know yeah, you can bleep that you can bleep that yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah i mean who's you know who's listening anyway i mean people you listen like, don't say that Nikki. no 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 i mean that's not what i meant is what i'm saying is kid, kids aren't kids aren't really listening to this i mean just no, I want kids to listen to this. Then they'll learn something for once in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> for once in their godforsaken lives. Okay, now, Brent, we seriously... So, anyway... Seriously, not only did we want a, a sexpert's opinion on this subject matter, but we also wanted... Uh, well, what did I just say? A sexpert's opinion? Did I say just... Yeah. Well, no, yeah, we do want to... Not only do we want some facts some clarification but we also want some your opinion as well because i think that would be good so uh, first of all um if you can just um verify you want my sex opinion yes we want your sex opinion about this about this what i want you to verify that super nintendo has eight channels right and they're all sample they they all are sampled channels right of for video game music yeah, they're all sample channels. So, um, Super Nintendo is, like you said, eight channels, all samples. How you'll oftentimes will hear them sampling synth sounds uh, or you know simple sound waves, simple sound waves as well. So, so, so what you're saying think, is you might you might think that there is um, a PSG in there, FM synth in there, but that's really just a sample of those. Okay, now, for, let me for ask those you who don't know what Brent's talking about, he's basically talking about. Uh, there's synthesized sounds. We talked a little bit about that before. Um, and you might think that there's a synthesizer in the Super Nintendo, but they actually sampled those particular sounds. Now, let me ask you this. 
was the sampler somewhat crude and that's what kind of creates sort of the video game sound because they are samples well, but i mean not, I, I mean the sampler in the in the super nintendo is not that really that well that i guess crude. it's not that crude because uh, well like star fox star fox is like a you know that sounds pretty good right i mean yeah i mean it's not that bad i mean it's crude relative to relative you know, to now to today, but it's I mean, it's pretty, it was pretty nice uh, compared to the sampler that was in the Nintendo, you know? Sure, but, well, and, you know... And, okay, well, well, while we're on the Nintendo subject, can you verify that um, a lot of video game composers, they didn't really use the sampler that often in Nintendo for 8-bit music? Well, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, yes and no. I mean, you hear it in a lot of Sunsoft music, for example... I mean, almost all the Sunsoft games have sampled bass. Sampled um, bass, yeah. Okay. Oh, so, okay. That, I so was correct about that, clarif- though, that they used it for bass. So, so clarify that for me. So um, there were four channels on Nintendo. No, yeah, two two square waves, a triangle wave, and uh, and a sampler and, and the white noise. But So that was five, though, you just mentioned. Well, the... There's four channels, but the, 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 I guess the white noise is not really considered a channel per se, right? Or, or is it the sampler uh, that's not really yeah, considered I mean, a channel? I guess it's a channel, yeah. I mean, it's so, a, I mean, it's a so, channel for something, yeah. So, I mean, so I guess can, there's so kind of five channels. There's then. five channels in a way then. I mean, you basically get your two main, I mean, your three main, you know, your three main um, melodic channels, channels, I guess. Or melody channels or whatever. And then yeah, the sampler and then the and then the noise channel as well. Yeah, I could call that a channel. Yeah. Well, it's certain that is what it would be a channel. It well, would be you a channel. know, you know, you just basically you add that premium package, you get five channels instead of, you know, your usual basic cable four. Yeah, I mean, basically the five channels that you get are um, it's that you know you, it's, there's a pulse wave, and then there's Fox, and then there's CBS, NBC. ABC and now, how much what, would it be okay, you didn't for me to add on HBO? Uh, well, that's a premium. That's going to be a premium channel. So um, that will probably cost you probably three ninety nine every trimester. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That's why, that's why now, do you have any, like... Um, like deals going on right now. Okay, I mean, come like, on. I, is there are any like deals going on right now? We don't have to keep going on this bit here. I mean, come on. Well, no. you know, well, I don't know. No. What, I don't know what bit you're talking about. This, I mean, eight bit. Yeah, we we are going on on an eight bit. You know, you know, tangent. But sure, show. So, um, what else did you want? To okay, so I wanted to ask. Well, what real you're, quick, real quick. Um, so what? Was was in the Sega Genesis? What what kind of what did they use to create music it's for the synthesi- Sega Genesis? There was a synthesizer. Am I correct, right, Brent? Back says he says there's a synthesizer. Yeah. Yeah, FM synth. Yeah, FM synth. It's a uh, Yamaha, Yamaha FM synth, Yamaha. Um, and um, it's uh, they had um, oh, a few different things in, in the Genesis. There's like a six channel. Well, okay, they usually have. Five channels that that would do synth, and then a sixth channel that would do um, a sample. Oh. And then okay. there's, they also had a PSG in there as well. That's what a Nintendo had, and, um, and that would have I think 
think, four channels in it. What's a... Which would just do simple sound, you know, usually pulse waves. Okay, well, let me ask you, what's the difference? What does PSG stand for? Um, PSG stands for a programmable sound generator. Okay, um, so let me ask you, what's the difference between that and a synthesizer? Pulse waves, square waves, and triangle waves. So it's basically kind of like a synthesizer, right? get as much variety as a right but it is it's a base it's a basic synthesizer well i guess it's a little different because and i don't even know exactly i'm not like a i'm not like a full-on sex expert, but like the F, you know fm stands for frequency modulation right and so um i think i guess the difference is, is that it's just a little more complex fm synth is more complex where psg is just they're simple sound phase, you know right exactly now, um, you know, while we have you on the line, we um, wanted we to wanna get, just get, you know, we haven't completely discussed our own opinions yet, but we will in a little bit. But we want to get your opinion about why what, you, why you a, a true sexpert on video games, music, video game and music video, and video games. Well, I, I will say. say a true sexpert of 8-bit and 16-bit era music, what, why you why? think, why you like that kind of particular what we truly feel is video game music, and why do you prefer that to to the current trend of video game music? Well, because it's, it's most of most of the stuff that comes out now just sounds like regular music, you know, and it doesn't have a unique sound. I mean, there's a, a video game. I feel like the video game music genre really more existed in the third and fourth generation. Okay, so basically what we, we, we were talking about, right? Yeah, because, Next. you know, like the limitations created... The limitations the created the genre is, yeah. is out of this limit, these limitations that a genre was born. And because there aren't these limitations anymore, the, the genre is kind of getting lost. Well, it's, it's basically yeah, I mean, like, of, it's yeah, like, okay, there's no difference between that and just straight up... It almost like created a composition style too. Right, it's exactly. It's, it's basically I, like I, I like to refer to as like micro songs, where you, you really feel like within the matter of twenty seconds, sometimes to forty-five seconds, you hear a full, you hear the whole arc of a piece of music with a beginning, middle, and end that has a, a climax to it and climax is expert. Yeah, well, that, that's <laughs> that's expert. Some, the climax to it, and it has like a full. <laughs> Well, that's and something that they were able to. They were kind of like being forced to sort of create these full art pieces. Of a, a mini composition, basis. So, that what you, would you say? But let to, me just okay. let me let me. And it sort of didn't happen afterwards either. Well, I mean, someone does it on purpose. But let me just say. Let me just say that that is something that uh, back in the twelve tone technique days of of uh, you know modern music, uh, Webern actually did that often. Um, this is getting a little heady, I know, but I just want to let people know out there that that's not a, you know, he would create short compositions, you know, maybe under a minute yeah. kind of thing. By the way, for yeah. you listeners, there's there's a little bit of a weird buzz, and it's because I'm holding my phone up to the microphone so we can hear Brent, but it, it's creating some weird, you know, signal backlash. But um, anyway. Oh, no, here, here's the, the thing about it, though. You know, that's like possible music, right? Well, I don't know. I could taking like a pop sensibility and putting it in that. Right, it's that. like a combination of 
sort of Baroque meets funk meets sort of pop, I guess, right? And, okay, so would you? what would you say to these naysayers that, you know, these sort of people that, you know, kind of um, regard video game music as sort of a lesser art form? You know, I used to, as I was explaining or before... Uh, um, my old saxophone teacher, he's, he thought that video game music was kind of a lesser art form because it's just really repetitive. And, you know, I like to make the point, you know, that that's what pop music, pop music is repetitive. So, you know, I don't know. I think what I would say to them is I think usually people who say that aren't, don't really know a lot about video game music, you know? And they just haven't really heard a lot, so they're usually kind of ignorant to video game music. Um, yeah. And also... They're not bad. I think sometimes people just have, in the same way that people have facial blindness and stuff, I think sometimes people have trouble, I don't know, hearing music if they're distracted by the, the quality, oh, the sound sure. quality or something like that. You know? And I think that some people just, I don't know, I guess people just, some people don't have as refined an ear and just also hear deep noises sometimes when there's actually really good music structurally and compositionally. They can't really hear that because they're sort of, they're, you know, it's just the, 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 you know, out with it. Oh, okay. I mean, geez, we thought we were like a bit of a ramblers, but I mean, shoot. Whew. Well, that's, he's, in his sexpert uh, in the field, he's called the Rambler, actually. I call it a grabbler. What? I call it a grappler. <laughs> uh-huh. The grappler effect, you know. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, um, thank you f- for, uh, you know, answering our questions, Brent. And if we have any more questions throughout the episode, we're, we'll, we'll give you a call back. How about that? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brent. Okay. So I just, we just know, took a pa- a brief pause just uh, to make sure we weren't getting our facts straight, give wrong information. And I, I just wanted to say, of course, the sampler was going to be cruder back then. It, I mean, the technology didn't support it. Of right. Course. Exactly. So um, um, basically, and, and I think that's a, a big reason why samples back in the 8 bit era were only used mainly for percussive sounds and maybe sometimes uh, bass bass sounds, um, but usually composers used those four, you know, channels: the the two square waves, the uh, triangle wave, and the the white noise. That's which, why that's why like you you know sometimes in movies now, um, composers the samples have gotten so good um, that. Comp- sampled sounds i'm talking about just straight up movies now uh but like sampled violins and things like that some composers will even use that now and they'll bypass the orchestra and not even just movies but a lot of times pop music will use sampled drum sounds and it sounds exactly like an actual drum kit playing but through some eqing manipulation it is it, it's made to sound real, even though it's actual, actually all sampled sounds. Sure, but uh, you know, 
there's a whole thing about that too, programming velocities and whatnots and what it was is and stuff like that, you know. Anyway, so in Super Nintendo, when that hit, um, the 16-bit era, it was basically the video game composers dealt with eight channels of sampled sounds. That was their basis for creating the music. But they Hold were on, I just still, wanted they were still cru- to, Can I just say something? I just wanted to say... People have been using sampled sounds for movie scores for a while, long time. I'm talking about big, big movie, big budget movies. Sometimes we'll even use it. Like Hans Zimmer uses that sometimes now too. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking at. I mean, because sometimes, know, like, in, like in some, the 80s, like, like Vangelis used a lot of synth synthesizer sounds. Well, that's synthesizer. Different. I'm talking about yeah. like maybe like. Uh, I, I mean, like something like the Reanimator or something like that. I or think that not even that, but a lot of '80s music in general used like. I mean, I, I guess drum machines are essentially sampled drums, no, right? Or are they, are they just no. synthesized sounds? Uh, synthesized. Oh, sounds, okay. Well, yeah. then what do I? What am I saying? Okay. I think. I, I think. I think. Oh God, that's just I, a whole other know, world that we know. shouldn't be. Ta- I don't know. We, we shouldn't, shouldn't be talking about this because we don't know it. I'm sure they use samplers, samples too. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, this I'm not quite sure about. Okay. These anyway, things, so. we're we're veering off topic. The point is, Super Nintendo. They had it, it was a totally different kind of thing, where they used these sampled eight channels instead of these wave these variations on the sine waves, you know, these four channels, two square waves and a triangle wave. Or, or white noise. Or white noise. Is, yeah. and, um, okay, but because anyway, it was a crude sampler, it still sounded... It still sounded like... Uh, um, there was something about it that still... And, and I think there was still being influenced in the same kind of... Because Nintendo created a sort of a, a genre, kind of a quality to the uh, music. The genre that was video, video game, game music. music. has certain quality to it. Not just Nintendo, but... Video game systems of that era, right? Video game systems of that era. I think I do think s- Nintendo had a lot to do with it. Though. I think they well, Nintendo did have a lot to do yeah. with it. Uh, well, who who wrote who created Mario? By oh me? my gosh, jeez, how do you not know that? I forget. That is Koji. That is Koji Kondo. No, no, but he was the same guy who composed Mario too. Oh, oh who created? In, oh, yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto. That's right. That's right. That's what I was, was trying to oh, differentiate. Okay. So Koji Kondo, by the way. He has a lot to do, actually, with uh, creating video game genre, actually. Because before that, people weren't thinking on that level of, of creating an actual comp, like an actual piece of work, actually, you know? Right. Um, and, and in fact, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but there was this highly respected classical composer in Japan. He was, you know, before video games he was a well-respected composer in the classical music world and he was maybe in his 50s when you know the the nintendo or in japan the famicom came out and he heard some of the music and was thought oh i want to try my hand at at writing some video game music some writing music for a video game and so he became the lead composer for the dragon quest series of video games um, also called Dragon Warrior, I believe. And um, basically, he became even more popular in the video game world for writing music for those games than he was in the classical music world. And But he definitely had a background in classical music, and you can hear it in, the, the, in that music, which 
Oh, but also, just so you, just so adds you know, to the sort of evolution of video game music is that some of it sounds a lot like classical mu- or Baroque music, actually. Sure, but it should be noted, though, also that some of these guys who did create video game music did not have a background in, in classical sure, music. Sure, sure, And they actually were... Back then, also, the composers had to program it themselves, too, right? Is that, right. Am I so, correct in saying yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And so they actually... And that's something else that's different from now, by the way, which we'll get to is... Um, a lot of people that are hired to compose video game music now don't have to know programming at all. I mean, I wrote the music to this, the intro of, of yeah, this, but you this podcast. I didn't. You did it yourself. I, I did it through sounds on Logic. That's but right. I that's didn't, right. I didn't, didn't actually, program the sound. I didn't actually program the sounds. I didn't know any coding to do it, you know? Right. So they, yeah. But anyway, in any event, so that's an interesting aspect about video game music from back in the past. But in addition to that, um, some of these guys, it's almost as if they, like, they started to have to learn, because of the constraints, they had to, and it kind of, they had had to to learn learn how, they kind of learned how... Classical composition. Or how Baroque composers composed in a way. Counterpoint was a big part of it. Counterpoint was a big part of of Baroque music and, and, you know, on later on, but especially in Baroque music, Counterpoint is a... What is counterpoint, by the way? I know we're getting a little heady again. Um, it's basically just, uh, you know, the ability to use different voicings and stuff at the same time, like two different voices going at the, two or more voices going at the same time. Basically, it's kind of a usually idea. it's like there's a main melody and you have another melody kind of going on at the same time. That's sort of countering it, if you will. Right. Um, so it's counterpoint, basically. Counterpoint. And so but, the idea here is that they kind of because of the constraints. They were creating melodies against other melodies, and so it kind of had this classical okay, okay. feel, but not being quite—it's not exactly classical right, at the same right. time, you know. And you know, there were other people that had influence on these these early video game music sounds. I mean, we were ju- just before recording this podcast, we were listening to one of our favorite composers, Ryushi Sakamoto, Ryushi Sakamoto yeah. who wrote the music to The Last Emperor. Uh, and uh, amongst other films, and we were listening to, uh, and uh, and he's part of a famous Japanese. Well, uh, so I was gonna get group. to that. Just like he was a part of a, a group called the Yellow Magic Orchestra, uh, and they had a big influence on they, electronic music. They had a big influence not only on electronic music. It was an electronic dance music band, pop, essentially kind pop, of pop, pop band, J-pop band, if you will. Not not just J-pop, but they were from Japan, and they were very popular and. They had a large influence on video game music. If you listen to some of their music, um, it does sound like it sounds like video game music, um, right? And so we so were just think, listening to this yeah. Ryushi Sakamoto, who is clearly classically trained. I mean, this solo album of his is filled with piano, uh, just piano works that sounds straight up like Claude Debussy. Right, we weren't even, by the way, it sounds kind of, like impressionist it just, music. It's kind of happenstance that Nikki was decided to listen to that uh, before we decided to do this particular podcast. It's just kind of funny that, uh, you know, it, ha- it has... A, right. We were like but thinking of ourselves it, when we were listening to something like, this sounds like a video game song. It inspired me to want to talk more about Ryushi Sakamoto's influence on, on video game music, or seemingly, So that's least. true. That's a true thing. Like, composers have cited... No, no, no. I mean, it. I don't know if that's an actual fact, but that does seem to be like 
it really seems to be evident that that's the case, you know. And well, I think maybe the com- make, composers have cited him. I'm well, not sure. Maybe that. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. But certainly, you know, I mean, one can make the case, you know, if I, I mean, I'm not quite sure about this myself. But one can argue that, though, if you know, if anything, you know, they were in the, you know, in the in the in the scene, you know. At the well, time. here's the thing: so. is um, video game music and video game composers are a lot more celebrated in Japan than they are in America. I mean, some of them are like superstars, like Nobuo Imatsu, who did uh, all the Final Fantasy music up until like Final Fantasy twelve. Well, he's he's becoming very celebrated in America too. Sure, nowadays. there there are these um, concerts going on right now all over the world that are, they're like. Uh, actual orchestral renditions of video game music, and a lot of orchestras are doing, um, are performing Nubui. And that's something we'll get to in a bit about, you know, some, some academians might, you know, point their nose upward to that kind of stuff. Uh, that's the saying, right? No, um, I'm, you know, I don't know. It, it just video game knows, music might are, be too lowbrow for them. Yeah, they might think like, oh, it's a class. It's like a, it's an orchestra, and they're orchestrating this well, video game know, music. I, uh, but they don't realize that this video game music is quite genius and yeah, on and par, even as if I, not even I, better it, than some as of I these. As I just said, even a, this academic actual world music. classical composer wrote music for video games. Right, right. Um, you know, I remember I was telling my uh, old saxophone teacher uh, about my sort of affinity for video game music. And he even kind of scoffed at it and said, yeah, but, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of repetitive, isn't it? And, you know, after a while, and first of all, some of it doesn't repeat for like a long while. Oh, there's a song called Out, from, I mean, Outrun. Right. From, from the video game Outrun on Genesis. Well, it's not just on uh, Genesis. But, oh, it's okay. Um you know, I think there's an arcade version, or well, might have been on Sega Master System there's, too. But there's a it, that goes on for like a real long time, like before it repeats. Right, that's like a straight up. I mean, like. But the point is, yeah. Um, but that, which, that's, by the way, that's, point, that, that, point your nose upward. I'm getting that. Just right. that is a saying, but I'm not quite oh, saying it quite okay, right. Who cares at I'm this just, point? I'm just saying. So you, I, don't I just don't want to make oh, you. Seem I just like, I don't even care actually. Okay, but here the point is. Um, well, this is not the point, but. Um, so I argued, well, you know, pop songs are repetitive too, aren't they? I, I told him. So in a way, video game music kind of melded, you know, sort of the genres of pop music and classical music and something and computer technology to create its own genre, essentially. Right. Um, well, and, you know, it's not all like just, yeah, it's not that's all why classical some, sounding. Some like Super Mario Brothers has like a sort of a samba, samba-ish kind of situation samba going. beat. Right, uh, which is interesting, but it ha- it uses a lot of counterpoint that is very much like a, you, um, know, you know, like this. But then you know, style you, there's there's music like from the Zelda games or something like that. Very, that very uh, you know, uh, it's like a John Williams. It's, it's like a John I think Williams. I, I really, honestly feel like John Williams might be one of the biggest influences on on could be a bit sixty video game. But music. you know, He's who, so so if you listen, you know, we played. Um, a track from Star Fox, the video game Star, Star Fox. And this is when, when samplers, this is on Super Nintendo, and it's when samplers were kind of getting pretty, sort of good, actually. They weren't quite so crude. Wait, and, and Super Nintendo? Yeah, well, here's the thing. We well, played it, we played so it, my older brother and I played the main uh, theme to Star Fox for our mom, 
And she was like, oh, what is this? Is this like, oh, what, yeah, what you're movie, right. What you're movie right. is this? You're right. She's like, what movie is this from? It sounded kind of good, yeah, yeah at that point. She was like, yeah. what movie is this from? She's like, it sounds like John Williams. And we told her, actually, mom, it's, it's video game music. And because beforehand she was scoffing at video game music and she also kind of belittled it and sort of undermined the, um, the quality and the, the potential, the potential for, for video good. game music. And when we played her this, she was surprised to hear that it was actually video game music. It was a video game song and it was the sounds. It wasn't just a video game song. It was actually straight from the video game. It was the actual sounds that you hear in the video game. So she was fooled into thinking that it was actually a real orchestration. So in a way, the samples had gotten by that point good enough to fool somebody like her mom, at least. Right. You know? I mean, but, you know, she's kind of, you know. Well, anyway, uh, but, you know, I mean, I guess we could tell, obviously, their, their samples. Right, but right. Um, the song does straight up sound like a John Williams song, no doubt. I mean, it really does. It's very good, though. It's really, Star really Fox, good. It's really good. good. And, uh, but that song, that, that video game song, is, seems to be like the biggest you know, evidence or of, of being influenced by John Williams, like right. of, of video game music being, by the way, it's not just John that, Williams. but also obviously there's a big influence. You know, you were talking about pop and also like maybe rock too, you know, Oh, the like Mega, Mega Man, like listen to Mega Man. It, actually Mega Man oh, has funk, a funk too. Right. Funky Mega music. Man has a lot of different kind of genres, even it has a lot of uh, well, stylistic anyway, it depends uh, styles on, it depends going on, on in that. It depends on the composer, you yeah, know? Song. Well, that's an interesting well, thing. Mega oh, Man had multiple composers composing no, for it. Isn't that right? Am I correct? I don't right? think you're right no, about that. No, I think that. I'm right about that. Um, I don't know. I want to... I want to... I, pause. We're going to call Brent Weinbach right now. Hello, okay, Brent. Brent we thanks just, for uh, for picking up again. Um, you know, um, we this is our second lifeline here. You know, I mean, you're welcome, Max and Nikki. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Um, uh, we wanted to uh, verify something, uh, or uh, you know, we wanted to ask basically. Uh, so, in Mega Man, did they have multiple composers for that, or did they have just one composer? Or, I mean, or maybe different. Uh, sequels to Mega Man had uh, how, how multiple did it composers. Go? What, what was what's up with that? And who, who the original Mega Man's that were on Nintendo? Um, those were it was only one composer per game. Um, well, for the most part, in Part Three, Mega Man Three had originally had one composer, but she had to leave because she got pregnant, so her husband took over. Um, but essentially, it was just one composer per game. Um, from Mega Man 1 through 6. And then I think there's multiple composers on the Nintendo one. And, and uh, like Part 10, I believe, had multiple composers on that. But what about Mega Man Who wrote Mega Man 1? Mega Man 1 was Minami Matsume. Okay, is she known for any other video games? Um, that's her most well-known. Um, she actually contributed to the Shovel Knight soundtrack more, more recently. Oh, really? That's a good soundtrack, right? I mean, it was primarily, um, it was primarily uh, uh, Vert, who you mentioned earlier. Right, right, Vert. Sex, sex, but, Vert. I mean, I mean, the majority of it was Vert, but um, she did 
contribute some, though. So we were talking about... I think she only did, like, one track. Now, some of your favorite video game composers are women, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah, Um, half of the the composers during that era were women. Right. In Japan. Right. Yeah. um, So what... Nami Matsume, by the way, mm-hmm. I mean, she also, um, well, I don't know, she worked on, she actually did do some music to Mega Man 10, and she also um, um, arranged the NES version of Leg- Legendary Wings, but mm-hmm. she, um, not, she didn't compose the original arcade version, and oh. she also did the music to UN Squadron, also, and she did some music to Double <laughs> Fire, also. I mean, it, ladies and gentlemen, is this not a, a true sex bird or what? Um, anyway, uh, so, you know, who are some of your other favorite female composers? I know, I mean, from video game music, I mean, I know you got, you know, Jinko Tamiya, you like her a lot? She's, she's one of the best. I mean, not just one of my favorite female composers, but she's one of my favorite composers. No, right. Period. I know, but what Nikki was saying was, what are some of your favorite composers who happen to be women is what I think he was trying to say. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, Jinko Tamiya, and she did music to Gunsmoke. And she did um, Street Fighter 2010, and she did um, Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Wait, just to clarify here, Street Fighter 2010, that's different from Street Fighter 2010. Wait, I'm sorry. So it's basically, it's a, it's a Street Fighter game that came out in 2010. <laughs> no, I know, but there's, there's, I think, three games with the name Street Fighter in it, right? Or something like that? Uh, hey, what? Isn't there like Street Fighter 2010 Final Fight or something like that? Yeah, Street Fighter 2010 The Final Fight, yeah. That's different from Street Fighter 2010, right? No, that's the same no, no, game. No, no, it's the same game. But oh, there, okay. it is. I'm trying to remember, actually. There is. No, oh, but okay. But yeah, that has nothing to do. That has nothing, that has to, nothing do to do with, with like Street, Street Fighter, Fighter 2. The, or actually, Street Fighter the actually, se- I believe it does, actually. Oh. Sort of, right? But there's also I, I, Final I Fight. I, I used to know this and I kind of forgot, but a while since I knew about this. But There's also Final Fight, right? I think it wasn't. They were trying to make... Oh, man, I'm trying to remember, actually. But so, I Brent, there's also Final Fight, the video game, right? Yeah, there's a game called Final Fight. Actually, Final Fight was supposed to was connect... I think it was originally called Street Fighter 89, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. My so basically, oh that's what I'm God. saying. There's like three different kinds of games that we're talking about here. There's Street Fighter 2010 Final Fight. There's Final Fight. And there's also Street Fighter, the, the well-known series of games. Oh, man. You know, I can look this up for you right now. I'm, I'm pretty... I, I kind of forgot. <laughs> it's kind of funny and weird, but it's all, they're all kind of connected. I mean, it's all Capcom. Well, it, it's all, not, we'll, invite our, we'll invite our listeners to look that up for themselves. What else, what else did Jinko Tamiya do, though, by the way? Strider for Genesis. Mm, that's a very interesting. Oh, and Strider is a very, very interesting, very interesting composition. For all you naysayers out there for video game music, take a listen to Strider. Now that is, you know, for all pushing you the limits. sort of classical music hotheads, you know, take a listen to the soundtrack to Strider and maybe that'll change your mind. Yeah, that's a good soundtrack. She's amazing. She's like very interesting, kind of experimental and she's one of the best. So she's someone who happens to be female, and Soyo Oka is another one who's really great. Say that again? Uh, the pilot wings. Can you say that name again? 
Oh, Pilot Wings. That's got one well, of the Mickey, best. Can you say that again, Brent? The name? Soyo Oka. Soyo Oka. Um, yeah, Pilot Wings. Pilot Wings and she did Super Mario Kart. Oh, well, those are true of the best video game soundtracks of all time. Now, did Super Mario Kart, was that all the same composer for all the, the levels? Well, pretty much, except for um, some of the music was reused from Super Mario World, which is composed by Koji Kondo. Well, right, right, right. But aside from the, I mean, aside from the, that reused, you know, repurposed music, it was all Toyohoka, yeah. I just heard you pronounce it Koji Kondo, not Kondo. Oh, I think that's how you pronounce it, Kondo. It's okay. a condo, okay. Well, you just uh, made me remember, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, Raishi Sakamoto earlier and the Yellow Magic oh, Orchestra. Ryushi? You mean Ryushi Sakamoto? I thought it was Ryushi. Ryushi. Is it Ryushi? Ryushi. Ryushi? Oh, well, then I guess I was pronouncing Ryushi it wrong. Sakamoto. Ryushi Sakamoto. Because... Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Be, I mean, you no, know, like a lot of people say, you know, Street Fighter 2, Ryu, but it's actually supposed to be Ryu or something like that. Well, anyway, anyway, my point is, um, we were listening to uh, that album you got me for Christmas right before we recorded this podcast, and that one track on it, Tong Poo, it's called, so good. It's so it sound, but it really sounds like a video game song in a lot of ways. But um, uh, anyway, the point is, do you do you agree that possibly that? Ryuchi Sakamoto and maybe the Yellow Magic Orchestra had a big influence on the development of video game music? I think so. It sounds like it, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Brent Weinbach um, other, other agrees. Female composers that are good. I mean, Mickey Gashino. Nikki and- Weinbach? Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as we said before, I... Com- Nikki Weinbach composed the music to the intro music to this podcast, I mean, and you know, he's. Yoko Shimomura did the music to Street Fighter Two, you know. Yeah, Nikki Weinbach, you know, who's a, a good female composer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you just repeated what we said. Uh huh. Nikki Taylor, she's a, you know, she's a no, model. No model. She's a kind of rare. Yeah. What, what, what was that? What? What was that? What was that? What? Sound like a plate or something. Oh yeah, that was a. Well, it sounds like Brent's in the middle of eating while he's talking with us, so... Oh, I'm just having a little fun little snack over here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like peanut butter yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I like peanut butter, too, actually, and jelly myself. What about almond butter, though? I like almond butter. I'm kind of back into that peanut butter tip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like peanut butter... I like peanut butter cups, but, mmm, that almond butter, mmm... What else do you want to ask me? Well, I mean, I guess that's it for now, unless you think of, uh, you. is there anything you want to add to this discussion in general? Is it, I, I mean, I, there's so many female composers, it's amazing. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't have to go through every female composer. Oh, can you but verif- the point, the point is, on, is I just, that... There, I did want clarification on something. Was uh, the prevalence of female composers, is that very much a Japanese thing, or did, you, did we have a, a few female composers in America as well? I don't know. I mean, there weren't really many American composers around this time. Right, in general. Um, but, okay. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, there were some, but yeah, I don't, I don't really... Now, really 
do you know can do you know do you know if these film composers were in japan were uh highly regarded and and well respected um in much the same way as a nubu imatsu or a koji kondo who did kingdom hearts she's up there with like nubu imatsu did she do kingdom hearts yeah she's kind of better known for that probably right well right. No, not better known for that but like i mean that's a franchise that is beyond that's a current that. uh sort of a current more 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 recent franchise that's uh, maybe gained some popularity um um and just one other question um how are uh video game composers viewed in japan relative to um like film composers or classical composers in america in the western world in the western world I don't understand the question. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Max is trying to ask, are video game composers in Japan as highly regarded as as Western film composers in the West? Well, in uh, the West. The way know. we respect film composers is... I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, actually. Maybe. I mean, I think that Nobuo Yamato is pretty... Highly regarded, like, in the same way that a movie can put, like... Is Nobuo Matsu like the John Williams for video game music to you? I mean, Nobuo Matsu, absolutely. Right. But, you know, I mean, is he... My question is, like, if you... John Williams in Japan? I, may, I don't know, maybe not on the level of John Williams, but pretty up there, yeah. And um, <laughs> would you uh, agree also with what I said earlier that... John Williams probably had a lot of influence on video game music, right? Do you think that I mean, is true? I think everything probably had an influence. I think everything has an influence on video game music, you know? Right, but like Star Fox, that straight up sounds like a it's John Williams song, right? Yeah, but I, I think that you can probably hear influences of everything in video game music. You, you hear the Beatles, you know, can be an influence. <laughs> like that's that track that sounds like Come Together? Yeah, I mean, straight up. I mean, it's from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, on Nintendo. And, um, but not just that, but... Wasn't um, there a track that sounded like Beauty and the Beast, too? Well, that's just... Yeah, I mean, some of these just kind of sound like these tracks, but... Right, um, right, right, right. Well, there's the game Earthbound, though. I mean, that's very influenced by the Beatles. Well, not very, but there's definitely some Beatles influence. Do you like the soundtrack to Earthbound? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty quirky, and there's some, definitely some really cool tracks. But um, you think that that's one of the best games of all time, right? It's definitely really up there. Um, Would you say that's top ten material? Game. It's probably the best role-playing game I've ever played. You mean turn-based role-playing game, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Be- well, because what would Secret of Mana be considered? What kind of game is that? Is that a role-playing that's, game? It's probably action that's an action RPG. So, but you you like Earthbound more than Secret of Mana, is that what you're telling me? Well, I don't know. I mean, I probably have more... I don't know, it's hard to say. I mean, Earthbound's a really amazing experience. Well, you heard it here first, folks. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, Secret of Mana is... I mean, I mean, think about how much fun we had playing Secret of Mana. Just like one of my favorite games. But. Think about how much fun we had playing Secret of Mana, the three of us, and just waiting every night that summer so the glare would get off the television 
so we could play oh, that game. Man. I mean, that was so much fun. Three players yeah, simultaneous. Right. I mean, Superman is amazing. Um, but um, I don't know. Earthbound definitely more of a quirkier kind of has more of a independent feel to it. You know, <laughs> it's like an indie indie rock. It kind of feels that way, actually. Right. Um, very quirky. Very unique game. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, there's nothing like it, really. Right, All right. Right. Well, you heard I it here. I highly recommend that experience because it's so. Just it takes you on a really cool, amazing trip, you know. Um, but no, I think overall, I think I like Secret Man more than Earthbound. <laughs> okay. Just um, because game gameplay wise, I just prefer you know action more than um, turn based. <laughs> oh my <laughs> dear lord! Okay. Oh my god. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That is Brent Weinbach's two cents on the whole subject. Um, And And, well, is there anything else you wanted to add, Brent? Real quick, you know. Well, you just asked that. No, I I mean, this is what he was adding. No, 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 he wasn't. That's not what he was adding. You asked that same question. Wrong. 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 You just ask me. I will. I know. Well, I think that's that's about it for right now. I think we've. We've used up our lifeline for sure. I think. Yeah, maybe we used up the third one too. I don't want to. I don't want to be used up. I, I'm, I'm, you can keep using me. Well, you well, know, you're the sex expert. What? <laughs> <laughs> you you know best. I mean, you're the sex expert. So. I'm what? I'm the sex slave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brent. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, Brent. That was Brent Weinbach, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh I was just going to say one last thing. Oh, oh, okay. Never mind people then. People get influenced all from different stuff. For example, Hiroko Tanaka, who did the music to Kid Icarus, Metroid, and oh, a lot that's, of... Oh, that's a good good that you brought that up because especially Metroid... He's very influenced bet, by reggae, you know, and you hear the reggae influence a lot. In, a reggae you know, beat. Yeah, but just so you know, Metroid is very experimental at times. Very experimental. Uh, so you you know really, naysayers. I, I, I really I I mean I know Hiro Hiptonaka did those games, but it's hard for me to hear the reggae influence in Kid Icarus. I mean, my what? Well, maybe not so much in Kid Icarus and Metroid, but if you listen to Balloon Fight or um, you know Gyromite or um, um, or you know even Earthbound and worked on Earthbound or Mother. I mean, the reggae is very strong there. I mean, especially with Balloon Fight or um, uh, Gyromite. Just check them out. Or even Wrecking Crew, kind of. Well, sort of, yeah. But no, he, you can definitely hear... <laughs> oh, oh, or uh, Dr. Mario also. You, know, you can just really hear the reggae. Well, yeah, Dr. Mario. Um, all right, all right Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you, Brent, for participating in this episode of Splitting Hairs. And uh, anyway, and let's uh, move on. You're welcome, Max and Nikki. And uh, all right, uh, bye, Brent. Bye, Brent. Anyway, so here's an interesting just thing so you, to note. Yeah. Actually, is that a lot of video game composers, even today, in Japan, are female, and that is a very, very different from our Western culture in general of 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 music composer of classical composers you don't hear incorrect no no it's not incorrect at all you do you hear can you name one female film composer no i'm not talking about i'm talking about uh 
uh, I'm talking about, you're talking about composers now in our Western world. Currently in our current situation, I think, well, that is true. Film composers, I don't know. I can't no, quite you can't that, even actually. name a female. But I can, name, I can name people in the academic world, yes. Well, yes, but even that is not, is, is more rare than, it, it does seem to be a male-dominated world. Yeah, Western I know, but you're classical talking about, music you're in saying, general. You're Western talking, orchestral music? No, but you're, what you're saying right now is uh, that's a Western world thing. I think this is just uniquely specific to video game music is what you're talking about. Well, because I, I'm no, not quite sure. No, 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 no. It is because um, it, I don't think there's really, I don't, I can't think of any female American video game composers. Um but Japan, well, there's not at least at least half of the video game composers in Japan are female, which is really really interesting. Like Jinko Tamiya, for example, or uh, God, for some reason names are, are eluding me right now. But um, the point is, it's really really interesting that these these women are kind of sort of not they're co-dominating with men in the video game world in Japan. I know, and but you what don't I'm saying, hear that, and you don't hear about you know female composers that often in the Western. I world, know, but you know? no, you don't. I know. I'm saying, video game music is relatively a new thing. You know, I'm, I'm saying uh, compared to the history of music, in, in relative to the history of music. So, in other words, what, what you're talking about is specific to only video game music. I'm, you know, uh, you know, composers. In general, what we think about when we think about composers in the Western world are just, you know, Western world composers. We don't even think about Japanese composers or, or composers from other countries, like the Eastern world at all, you know? Right. Well, I, in general, I mean, so in other words, we, we just talked about Raishi Sakamoto, who is one of our favorite composers. I know, but again, this is, that's a modern thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, very rare, I mean, there's only like maybe one or two female composers I can name from like the Schumann classical or, world, you know, like Clara Schumann and who ended up, you know, her husband overshadowed her, his legacy overshadowed her, although she was much more popular in her time than he was. Anyway, there's also, uh, also in addition, oh. um, but oh, I was going to say, sorry, um, yeah, I mean, there's, oh a, there's a lot more female composers, though, now in our current situation, though, in the Western world, I should say. Uh, however, you can't even name one female... Cindy Cox. No, you can't name one female film composer. No, no and he's true. That, that is that's the, true. That's the, film is different. It's a different situation. But which that's is, not... It's, but but that's that, is, not, that is sort of the orchestral music that we recognize today, I think, you know? That, that is so that is not true, dude. That, that is popular. Okay, that's the orchestral music that we recognize. That is popular because it that's is popular. in movies. Okay, fair enough. That's popular. Yes. yes. Okay. No, uh, an average Joe is not going to know who Cindy Cox is, whereas an average Joe back in the late 1800s, they would know who Beethoven was for sure, you know? What? That's not a good example. Or not. Uh, they what? would know who... Um, no, you're just saying they would know. I, they would know not, who Claire, you're, you're, they would know is, who um, they'll say. You're saying Strauss was or no, something. That's like not that. the correct analogy you're making. You should say an average Joe won't know who Cindy Cox is, but the average Joe will know who John Williams is. That's what you should. No, be saying. no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Is that 
is that the average Joe is not going to know who Cindy Cox is because classical music is not popular today anymore. Oh, but back then that was the popular music, um, and well, so people would know who a Claude Debussy was. You know, they were, you know, nationally recognized. You know, but well, today yeah. well, nationally recognized composers are film composers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, it is. Well, it's a different this situation we live in, actually, thing. because the idea of popular music became a situation, uh, a different thing, like in the 20s. Like with the, with the advent of recordings, actually. It of became recorded music, a, yeah. Of recorded music, things changed completely. Sure. Um, also, you know, the advent of, of blues music, of rock and roll. Because here's this is why. I'll explain why. Because... The people that wrote down their music back in the day, before recorded music, were composers. And the folk traditional music and stuff that you would hear, that stuff was usually not written down. And so that's how those composers became famous, is because people would buy that sheet music and take it home. Beethoven became like the first superstar kind of composer, actually. Although for that reason, I would you know? say, you know, Stephen Foster, I don't know, I mean, I guess maybe he wrote down some of his music, but... No, he I think, was, he I think was it's a folk sort of I know, but music I, artist. But I think I, I could be wrong about this, but I think he actually there's a lot of tunes that he didn't get he didn't get royalties for because he didn't, you know, there was a copywriting situation. You know, I, I don't think he got royalties for a lot it, of his By songs. the way, Stephen Foster, he wrote like a lot of the tunes like um, you know, uh oh, Home Susanna, on the Range, uh Oh Susanna. Susanna. Um, Count Town, Camp Town Town races, races or uh, beaut- uh, what is it? Da, 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 was that no, Beautiful that, Dream or something? That's like that? Him, is that him? That is him. That is him. Okay. That is well, him. in any event, that we're getting off subject here. Uh, the point is, uh, I mean, recording music changed a whole th- different thing. Although Gershwin, well, that's not the, okay, Gershwin was a big situation. Saying we're getting off subject. Sorry, this sorry, is not sorry, even the subject. Sorry. Um, sorry. Anyway, so. Basically, you had 16-bit video game music that was sampled music, and you heard music like from Secret of Mana, which is our favorite video game of all time, actually, or Final Fantasy IV and and, and V and VI, which also have really, really great video game soundtracks. Um, Anyway, I don't know. I'm just naming a few. Yeah, he's just... Okay, this is a... We're not explaining... um, So anyway... Why do we like those songs more? Well, hold on, just real quick. Nintendo 64 came about and PlayStation, and some of the music still kind of had, sometimes it had a video game sound, but they were really losing sight of what the video game music genre was. Right, um, and they were kind of... Exp- I mean, well, even in it- Super, even, even Mario 64, even though some of the music is good, it, it is... It some of it sounds like new agey, and it doesn't necessarily sound like video game music. Right, and I think part of that, as we said, was the actual constraints that they had, and the quality of the sounds themselves too. Um, really created they that created, genre. They kind of created that genre. It was the tam the timbre basically. And people, um, when they weren't so constrained, they lost sight of the genre of video game music, and so today. Basically, a lot of video game composers, you know, they'll just write music as if they're it's writing like a music, film score like a film score, yeah. and they don't write music for a video game. They just write music for 
just a, a piece of art. And a know? lot of times those video games actually, they kind of have these mini, these sequences in between the gameplay that look like movies anyway. Yeah, they're like movies and a lot of them are and just that's not also, very that's good. And that's also, that's a whole nother subject. That's a whole video okay. game, the evolution of video games themselves. Yeah, it's like, why, you're taking so much time this isn't on... Not, there, there are certain video games that are coming out today that are, are truly really revolutionary cool. and they're really, really cool. Really cool. And by the way, some some haven't lost sight to like. Okay, there's a song. There's a video game called Warrior Land. Shake well, no, it. Ha, uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna stop you because I was gonna mention it. I think the music to Warrior Land Shake It is really good, but I would argue that it doesn't. Some of it just doesn't quite sound like video game music. Well, you know? it has an interesting thing, like as if I I kind of feel like it has a video game quality to it that. You know, as if video game. By the way, Warland Shake Out Shake It came out for the Nintendo Wii. The Nintendo Wii. It's a and, very good game, and but it's a side scroller. It's a side scroller, and it kind of has a, a classic video Super game Nintendo play. You know, it's feel. almost as if they took if they took the idea of Super Nintendo and ran with that, and and kept uh, and they. Evolved uh, those evolved graphics the, evolved instead those of trying graphics. to make things look real. But so you know, on the same token. By the same token. Uh, by the same token, or by you know, on the same ticket. Uh, no, that's not a uh, that, that's not no? a saying. I don't okay. think so. No. By the same token, um, I think the music, if they took like Super Nintendo style music and they evolved that, I feel like that's what your Borderlands Shake it would be. Sure. And I, that's why I think it still has a video game quality sound to and it. And shovel yeah. the the game Shovel Knight, which has uh, become kind of popular. That also is. Like as if you know those side scroller or or those kinds of graphics from Super Nintendo evolved, and this is what it would be like today. You know, Shovel Knight's a really cool game too, and I, the music is cool too. Um, um, anyway, there were still some stuff though. Nintendo sixty four that has a kind of video game quality but, to it. But like, anyway, today we don't need to talk about that so okay. much. But today, the point is, by today, a lot of the music out there is either just sounding like movie music a lot of it's boring actually a lot of it's like atmospheric music which i really hate it's well, like it's that, almost like they're trying to sound like hans zimmer or something i don't know well but i'm not a big fan of hans zimmer by the way although some of his music from the 80s is kind of cool actually well actually um, here hold on t-o like some, he did the music to um driving miss daisy which is kind of hold on good, some but, of it some of it atmospheric music atmospheric music can be cool like you know, Echo the Dolphin kind of had. That's from the Genesis. That kind of has like an atmospheric quality or, to sure. it. And that's kind of cool. Or even Donkey Kong Country, actually, from Super Nintendo, has like a new age feel on some. Well, of that's it. a new age feel. That's not necessarily atmospheric. It has a. Oh right, it's not. Atmospheric. Wait, is Echo the Dolphin though? That is more of an atmospheric thing, right? Mm, I don't know about that. I would say it's more new agey. Oh, fair enough. Um, no, but is there a melody on those? I, I can't remember. I yet. can't remember myself. But we're, we're not going to pause. I just, pause. This, but yeah. um, Echo the Dolphin, it's a cool game. You know, the graphics are really cool. Sega Genesis. Um, okay, in any event, so, so I guess the reason why we like 8-bit and 16-bit era music more is because that really kind of captured the actual, what we think is a real genre of music. You know what I mean? And it's not, I hate to sound like we're purists. It's not even that though. We are big sticklers for melody. We place a high standard on, on a song or just anything being melodic and 
and what we think is catchy. And if you're not leaving the game or if you're not leaving the movie, if you're not leaving the theater, humming the tunes, then the music wasn't that great. I don't think sometimes, a lot of the times, you know? And so it seemed like melody was really important for video game composers during the 8-bit and 16-bit well, era, I, I, and you didn't have as much atmospheric music well, as you no, do I, now, and I, I, I don't know, think, I think, that's, I think that's a reason why. Again, the reason for that is the constraints, I think, on 8-bit, especially on the 8-bit, right. it had to be melodic, basically. Right. Otherwise, they, they, it couldn't, they can't really create atmospheric kind of stuff back then, so they had to be melodic, you know? Right, and why is it that Japanese composers were creating the better video game music? I mean... That's not. That seems to be true for for the most part. Although the music to that the video game Pictionary is a really really cool drawing game. Oh, so good! And that it was written by I think a British composer. Um, but you know there were there were composers in America and England. But you know this is this kind of supports my whole thought that the Japanese are really good at improving upon American invention. I mean, they take like music, like John Williams type music, and they make it even better sometimes. Like than, what? Like the video game music that you hear in Star Fox. You know, it's better than the video game music you'd hear from American composers. I know, but for the mo- most part. <laughs> I mean, but that's you're saying then they're making it better than John Williams stuff, and I don't well, know if that's necessarily uh, but, true. Yeah, maybe or no, but in general, like you know, Japanese-made cars are the best made cars around. You I know, know, but they used to not be though. But now they are. I know, but Toyotas that, and Hondas, you know, I always. know, but basically, I mean, I, yeah, that's a, it's a different story, but they've had time to grow though. You know what I'm saying? Um, in other words, you're saying that they, what you were saying was that they've improved immediately. They improved upon it. And, you know, Toyotas from the A's are really, they're cheap and, you know, easy to make, but, uh, they can get broken into easily and they weren't, you know, uh, they're cheap, you know. But nowadays, shoot, Japanese cars all the way, I think. By the way, um, just wanted to, I just remembered the name. It's Tim Fallon was the guy who did the music to Pictionary and he is British and he was only 20 years old when he wrote the music to that. A lot of these composers were very young when they wrote the music to these, you know, classic games. I mean, obviously Pictionary is not it's more classic as a board game or, or social game rather than a video game. But, um, well, know, anyway, so some, what else did we not go over here? I guess we went over, I guess, so this is why we, so there's more melody back in the day. But I have a lot more respect for the genre of video game music because these people created such beautiful work under these restrictions, you know? Right, um, right, right, right. That's a really cool thing. But not and only that, I gain a lot more of them- respect having to write and record that st- kind of stuff for this podcast, actually. But not only that, they also have to pr- often program it themselves, too, which is like, that's kind of, that's crazy. And they don't have to do that anymore. You no, know? they don't have to do that anymore. Um, and on top of that, that's, you're talking about respect for it, but why do we like it more? Again, it's, you know, I guess when it comes to video game music, like, for instance, okay, jazz, like, you know, there's jazz purists out there, and they think, like, oh, straight-ahead jazz, that's the jazz, the only jazz I'll like. Wynton Marsalis is often, you know, considered, like, that kind of guy. 
uh, who's anything beyond, like he doesn't like fusion or anything like that. Um, I'm not that way for jazz. I, I, if it just sounds good, then it sounds good. But as far as video game music goes, for me, I think I'm a purist because um, otherwise it just doesn't become video game music anymore. Well, in a here's way, the thing, right? I think some of the music that is made for video games today is good. That's true. That's it's true. good, but it's not necessarily what I would consider a part of the video game music genre. Canon. The canon, I guess. <laughs> I guess, if you will. Um, it, it's, and so right, that's there's true. a problem with okay, that. Okay, I guess, I guess, okay, here's the deal. I like some of the music that comes out now, but I don't know if I would categorize that as video game music. That's just what exactly what I said. I know. I'm just, I'm just repeating it, and I'm just saying, I suppose, though, then, um, if that's the case, then, well, then who cares, right? Does it need to sound like video game music, according to us? Does it matter? Well, I think it's important to preserve that kind of genre okay you know? but just that's, like winter marsalis with jazz yes. here's the thing though this is kind of relating to my problem with uh modern day musical theater music is that it's losing sight of the a lot of the musicals that are coming out today the music that's in the musicals just sounds like mainstream you know generic pop music and that's right it, that's and right there's Musical theater composers are losing sight of the actual genre of musical theater music. And there's a certain genre to that. There's a certain sound to uh, the music from West Side Story or... But that's evolved. Or, you know, Stephen Sondheim, sound sounds, music. Stephen Sondheim Sondheim. sounds completely different. There's from, something about it, though, that still sounds like there's a musical, musical theater. A musical theater, yes. But the music... And I, you know, I, we talked about this in the past, but there's certain a musical from the '90s that really paved the way for, in a bad way, paved the way for this mainstream generic pop to be inserted into modern day musical theater. And it's uh, once in a while you'll get some good musicals like La La Land, which does have classic sounding. Even though some of it sounds a little bit more modern, but it right. still it sounds like a musical music and it's good. It's right. melodic I guess, and it's okay. catchy and it's good. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's like I know we already had an episode about musicals. So I but, guess what you're saying is okay, that's for musicals though. It's a little bit different because you're saying, Why am I going to the theater though? Part of the reason I'm going to see a musical is for the music, right? But is that that's not necessarily why somebody might play a video game, though. You know what I'm saying? They're not playing a video game necessarily for the music. You know what I'm saying? That adds to the experience, though. It adds to the experience, for sure. But what I'm saying is... You know, if, if I, you're, I can recall a, uh, times where we were in the middle of a video game, and we're like, just put it on pause, because the music will still play on pause. And we're like, just put it on pause. Let's just listen to the music for real quick. This is I know, so but good. in other words, okay, here's what you said before, Warrior Lounge Shake It, some of it doesn't have that video game quality to it, is what you argued. But yet, you still groove to it, it's still good, and it's it still, still gets good. you to get into oh, the game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a... But because of that, though, I argue that it is like video game music, but it's more like modern-day video game music. 
So I argue that it is more like well, the genre that the we're thing, thinking of, but it's in But the genre we're version. thinking of also has a lot of emphasis on melody, which Warland Shake It does. And Although a lot there, of these games that are uh, coming out today. Hold on, are, there is a song from Warland Shake It though that doesn't really have a melody, but it has this certain groove to it, this feel yeah. that is as a friend might ha- has put it in the past, it's melodious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has a sort of like Da, 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 That's da, the Lion King da, da, one? Or <laughs> I guess it kind of has a, sort of a Lion King feel to it, but it has this sort of this groove to it that's cool, you know? But um, the point is, we keep saying the point is, I don't know, I guess that's just the way we speak. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, video game music, video game composers should place more emphasis on melody as should any composer, any songwriter, there should be a higher standard for melody and songwriting. Now, you should want to hum the music. You should, you, I mean, I know sometimes atmospheric music, I don't, I can't quite wrap my head around it, but for some people, they like it. But that's what it's called. That's why it's called atmosphere music. That's why it's called ambient music. It's supposed to be in the background, you know? It's, right. I it's think- supposed to set a mood rather than... But And and for me, I don't want to just have a mood be set. Right. That's I something want to that, be able to groove to something. That's you know? something that, uh, you know, Eric Satie, who's a composer from back in the day, he made this music called furniture music at first. I think this is... I think this is a an, the, an antecedent to atmosphere music, actually. And Even though basically, Eric Satie wasn't necessarily an atmosphere composer, I mean, no, he, he wasn't. He but this did is this is I think Pedi, this is, which is, this is later good. on. This is later on afterwards. He's known for other stuff besides the. No, Twa-Gimo I know. Pedi. Hey, no, I've got a whole collection of. In Eric, fact, Eric I think Satie Eric Satie actually pieces, seems you know? like, he seems to have done things before. He seems to have done stuff before everyone else was doing. Well, it. there's that one. But hold um, on, let me just. There's that one. Short film that I saw in, in my silent movie class in college that Eric Satie, I think, co directed, but he also wrote the music oh, with, to. Uh, with Co- Cocteau? Um, with Jean Cocteau? I can't remember who he made it with. I think Jean. I want to say it was Louis Banuel, but I, I might oh, might be mistaken. Jean about Cocteau, that. that's the name of him, right? The guy, though, I'm thinking of? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but anyway, it might have been with Louis Banuel. I can't remember oh i think it was actually with salvador dolly that he okay, made this movie keep going but yeah. the music is is really cool it's kind of circusy and stuff like that it's a real experimental short film for like just way back in the day Did you actually. say circusy because it could be parade actually that he used i mean i don't know maybe not but um that's a the, the famous piece by uh, eric sati anyway he he created this thing called furniture music um uh, maybe towards I, I don't re- recall actually what part of his career it was, but I think it was the latter half for sure. And he intended it for it to be background music. He didn't want that's why it was called furniture music, you know. And he people started to like it for some reason though. And he was like, "You fool!" I mean, I think he said something like, "You fools" or something like that. This is not supposed to be enjoyed. It's for the background, you know. <laughs> and it's just kind of funny that. That basically that's the kind of stuff that, you know, people like this atmosphere music right now. And it's supposed to set a mood, mood but it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not supposed to, I'm not going to turn on this music 
to just listen to, you know what I'm saying? Like I might set it in the background as a tone. But, but you know, that's art for you, huh? It's completely subjective. To each his or her own, like an ice cream cone. And that goes for video game music too. We're just telling you our own personal opinions about it. Right. And, um, you know, I guess, oh, by the way, Nikki, you had mentioned uh, that there's uh, composers now that are creating music that are in the video game style, in the, the style, like 8-bit and 6-bit era style. Uh, what are those called? Those, those songs? Those composers? You say chip composers or something like oh, that? Oh, chiptune composers? Chiptune composers. But you know, there's, but they even lose touch with, they, they're just using chip, they're just using 8-bit sounds, but they're no, making but just music. by the way, some, yeah, but there's some guys that are really good and they know what they're doing. Sure, there's some and, guys that are really, really tight. It's really tight. Vert, oh, he's really awesome. Vert, oh my God, check it out. Yeah, I know, but out. a lot of these chiptune composers, they use these 8-bit sounds because they think they have an appreciation for video game music. No, and they do. They might no, They might have an appreciation for it. Out, but they, Vert they knows do, what he's Max, doing, man. I know, knows what I he's know, doing. But and I'm, he not, had, I'm he, not saying he that. He knows, knows it well. Okay, he knows the world okay, well. Okay, that's not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying there's a lot of them out there, though, that are trying to sound like old video games, but they're not because they're not restricting themselves to the sounds. Max, I know that there's... God, you keep saying no. I'm not... It's I'm like, not, I know Vert and... I'm not saying and, that. I'm not saying... I'm saying no. They're not trying to sound like the old stuff. Actually, they're yes, trying they to. Are. They're no. They're not exactly trying to sound like the old stuff. They're trying to take qualities from the old stuff, and it's like like Quentin Tarantino or something like that. You know, he has his stuff is very modern, but he's taking stuff from the old old films and stuff like that. You know, but using it to his advantage. You know, uh, for his own creations. You know, and I think that's in the same way that what these composers are doing, and. Uh, and they have a, a vast knowledge of the old stuff, too. And you can tell. And that's what makes it cool. And, and I think that's very oh, good stuff, you know. By the way, uh, you're right. That That is uh, uh, um, Jean Cocteau. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen some of that but, film. But no, 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 no. I'm not talking about the film. I'm oh, talking about okay. that. that uh, the name of the guy. The, the name of the guy you're thinking of. Uh, was it uh, Parade or, or something like that? Um, yeah, Parade, which is a ballet uh, that he and Cocteau worked on. Um, but right. the film that I was talking about, the film that I was talking about is called Entreact or Entreact. Um, and it was by a guy named uh, Rene Claire, who was a surrealist. That's why I got confused with Dolly, because he was also a surrealist. Um, and so I, the music to that is kind of circusy, and it's a real experimental film. It's only 22 minutes long, but. Um, it's it's interesting. Anyway, I'm I'm going off. Anyway, uh, the final word is. <laughs> why do you have to end every episode with the final word? Well, why I think not? it's better to end an episode with just saying some statement and then not trying to add something after it. No, you know? no, but I think just, the final word is. No, not the final. No, word. can I just say the final word is? Um, you know. You can like any type of video game music you want, and you can decide for yourself In what fact, is I really truly. I, I basically said what you're saying right now, just a few sentences no, hold on. ago. I'm uh, not fin- a few thoughts ago, and I thought, oh, what a perfect way to end the episode. No. But you kept going. No, you but kept I, going. I, I'm not finished though. What, see, you're interrupting me right now. What I'm trying to say is, the final word is, um, you could like whatever you want, and you can decide whatever you want, what you feel is truly video game music, but. There is something uniquely the way 
16-bit era and 8-bit era sounding music, the way it sounded, that is lost today. And, um, and I think for the that, most part, for the most part, and I think that it's it's a shame because that stuff is really good. And I think there's a lot there's a lot more that can be done with that, as proved by these proven. Chip, chip, as proven by these chiptune composers. They're taking that kind of genre and expanding it. And I think we haven't quite you know exhausted all of as, our, our our potential. As with, one of our favorite with singer that, songwriters that genre. noted. Um, his name is Bart Davenport, and he told me before, he's like, you know, I often, sometimes I get criticized for my music sounding too retro or vintage. And he said, but I think there's always more to explore in that genre of music. And so why try to sound, why, why do I have to attempt to try to sound new when I like what I like? I'm influenced by what I'm influenced by. And so I'm going to write he writes really classic sounding pop songs. And um, it, I argue if he were around in the 70s, he probably would be really popular today. Um, but, you know, there's a lot more in any genre to explore, be explored. And why limit yourself to trying to innovate when you, when you, when you make that your goal, you're, you're, actually restricting yourself because you can innovate in already past uh, already or genres that were already created yeah but you know you could innovate it's it's to, to whatever you want whatever you want you know to each his own like an ice cream cone teach his or her own or in in today's case i gotta say their teach own. their own like an ice cream cone although i mean you know that's you know to each his, her, or their own, like an ice cream cone. Right, right, right. <laughs> Why can't you just let a <laughs> statement end? Why do you have to add something extra? Well, I don't know. I just... I'm going to try it again. To each his, her, or their own, like an ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. And tune in next time.